hit the eastern Atlantic, quick that yellow area, remnants of Emily, probably not going to redevelop. Uh, another area out there that's been hanging around 50%. Uh, we have Tropical Storm Franklin there, uh, east of the Bahamas. Some of the islands there, it moved through Hispaniola already. Uh, and then, as Eric mentioned, Western Caribbean into southern Gulf of Mexico, that area in red. That is something we are watching very closely, and that's why you're seeing our smiling faces right now. Yeah, so we, we promised you that if there was a need to pop in, we would, and here we are on a Friday morning. So there is an area of low pressure that's going to try to form in the Caribbean Sea these next couple of days, Jeremy, and then lift up to the north into the Gulf of Mexico. Hurricane Center has given it. Over the next two days' time, a low-end chance for development, but over the next seven days' time, there is a 70% chance, a high likelihood, that something will get going. Yeah, and uh, that something could get going maybe like late Sunday, more like Monday uh, into Tuesdays when we would be watching it. And this will sort of be one of the first tests of the Gulf of those very warm temperatures, maybe upper 80s to low 90s. So we'll see how this plays out. I mean, the, the Hurricane Center went from, like, almost nothing up to, like, 50 to 70 percent uh, very fast. I think, um, can't speak for them, but we had really the European model, the Canadian model hinting at this. GFS was like, nope, nothing's going to happen. And then now the GFS uh, is pretty much on board. It has a low. Well, and I think that, that that's that's giving at least all of us confidence, right? That something will develop. At the beginning, you, you, you know, you were seeing some models, but with the GFS now on board, we really do need to watch this. Now, Jeremy, you had, you had briefly mentioned those water temperatures. Like, let's just take a minute and reset over here to the water temperature map. Um, and, and one thing that you and I've talked so much about over the past few episodes of tracking the tropics is that water temperatures are not everything but as you mentioned this is that first test of the season those water temperatures 87 88 degrees this is going to go over perhaps the warmest section of waters in the entire atlantic basin yeah and um when we had harold move through that really did not alter things a whole lot those uh, surface temperatures and this is moving through an area that Harold somewhat avoided here earlier on in the week. So we're looking at, uh, yeah, what you're showing there, some upper 80s. And really, you just need water temperatures around 80 degrees or warmer. And uh, water temperatures, the moisture above that water, that is the fuel for tropical systems. It is. So just just to point out kind of the players here. So you've got the, the infrared satellite imagery, but let me do this. Let me just widen it out a little bit uh, because this is a fairly complex weather scenario, Jeremy. You've got on the right-hand side... You've got Franklin, right, which is looking quite sheared at the moment, right? Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. That's why you see it kind of looking like it continues to get pushing to the right or to the east. Uh, that's uh, due to some upper-level winds. And then you've got here in the Bay of Campeche this spin. It's like a tropical upper tropospheric area of low pressure, a little Tutlow kind of thing. And that's what's invoking in this kind of southwesterly shear that's impacting Franklin and is also impacting um, this trying to develop system in the Caribbean that will eventually perhaps become Invest 93. But the wind shear, I think, is a really big player because the GFS, even when it wasn't developing it, it had the moisture in play, but the GFS was really throwing in deep shear now it's kind of trying to recalculate this, and it's a really difficult squeeze play between that upper low in the bay, Franklin out near Puerto Rico, and then where does this all fit in, right? 
Yeah, and G the GFS of all models uh, currently is still probably the weakest. I think it's uh, trying to do a little bit of catch up, and we'll get to the, the modeling in just a moment. But right now, if someone was like, okay, you got to pick out the two um, tropical things or what may be tropical on this map, you obviously could pick out Franklin. But the other one is, uh, at the moment, it's a mess, and that's why it just has that percent chance on it right now. And if a tropical depression were to form, Probably not until uh, maybe late this weekend, but it really uh, depends where that low. It may meander over the Yucatan. It may stay over water. We'll see what happens. Right. This is the visible satellite imagery, and and I, I put this together. It updates every couple of minutes. Um, Go 16, beautiful imagery, but it, there's not much there. We are watching convection bubbling. You see those cloud tops kind of bubbling up. But there's no organization yet. And the other thing we have to remember is that when there's nothing for the computer model to, to lock in on, there's really a difficult time for a model to, to do its forecast. So to me, Jeremy, if, if I'm 100% honest, I'm pretty impressed that all the models have gotten to the level of consistency they have, given the fact that this is basically nothing yet. Yeah, it uh, is a few pockets of thunderstorms out right now in the Caribbean, and then eventually by probably late this weekend into next week starts to organize. So um, if you have some of the model data ready to go, we can uh, show everyone maybe potential forecast tracks based on at least uh, two, three different models. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's do this. We're going to start off. This is the raw GFS model data, and uh, if, if you're new to looking at raw model data, basically this is pressure anomaly so the purple dots you see there kind of out north of puerto rico that's franklin all right watch franklin hanging out getting more and more purple developing stronger forecast to become a cat 2 hurricane which would make it the strongest storm of the season but while that's happening watch the yucatan peninsula right there a thousand six low kind of watching an area of low pressure trying to form and then moving toward the big bend of florida now according to this model you've got a timeline that snapshot is Wednesday morning at 2 a.m. And a 1,003 millibar low, Jeremy, is not what you would call a strong area of low pressure. No. And uh, right now, I would say models range from maybe uh, a tropical storm, which you don't want to do downplay tropical storms, but obviously not a hurricane, to um, maybe there's a model or two out there at some point that wants to get this um, close to hurricane strength. So it's something we will watch. And depending on the track, obviously we have the eastern gulf, but then we also have near or somewhere off the southeast coastline where um, this could also strengthen. And remember, the gulf streams out there, that water is also very warm. Yeah, so that's the GFS showing it kind of crossing the big bend of Florida and then kind of working off the first coast of Florida, right off the Georgia coast, St. Simons Island, then off Tybee, and then, you know, continuing basically offshore of the low country up by you, Jeremy, and then moving away. That's the GFS scenario. What's interesting, though, is just how different the European is, okay? So let's switch over to the raw European model data. There's Franklin getting stronger. There's that area of low pressure that through notice through this is this is monday it's still sitting like right over the yucatan peninsula that's monday night still sitting over the yucatan peninsula it's not until tuesday that it pulls away and that's another point jeremy is that all of the models right now have this stuck over land slowing down right. development so 
again, just an experience, if that doesn't happen, if for some reason this gets stuck over the Yucatan Channel, I think intensity changes in a, in a pretty different way. Yeah, it's all about is it over water, is it over land? And it really won't be clearly over water, we think, until, as you were showing, maybe sometime late Monday or into Tuesday. Right, right. And and that's that's a pretty consistent model output, but a subtle shift in timing could change that up. So the only reason I'm saying that is because right now the models are nice and low in intensity overall. Now we know a tropical storm or a low end hurricane could, could, you know, have some pretty decent impacts, particularly on the West coast with uh, coastal flooding, that sort of thing. But just know that, that this is all, um, this is all absolutely pivoting on the idea that it sits over land until Monday night, Tuesday. If it doesn't do that, then we may have to recalculate, but we'll go with that for now at the very least. So that is Wednesday morning You've got a decent little storm basically off the sun coast of Florida making landfall there Wednesday 2 p.m. according to the European and then riding. I mean, look at it doesn't it's quick to the point where by Wednesday, you know, Wednesday afternoon, it's riding right off of your shoreline and potentially it looks like even strengthening. And we've seen that in its previous versions before, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And we can talk about that in just a moment, but. Uh, when it comes to tropical systems, you're already hinting at it. It's all about impacts. Now, um, on a scale, this might be low or moderate type winds. I think a lot of locations would be seeing tropical storm force winds. That European model is starting to show maybe some hurricane force wind gusts, though, once it's off the southeast coastline, more over the water versus over land. Um, obviously, there would be some sort of rain component to it if it's not uh, sort of dragging its feet or moving slow, and it starts to have a little forward momentum. Maybe uh, you're talking uh, one to three inches of rain in spots versus um, sometimes those supersized tropical system rainfall totals. And also uh, on the uh, that Big Bend area of Florida or the west coast of it, uh, whatever type of coastal flooding would be possible. And then um, southeast coastline, we would probably watch the same thing. But here, if you start to get more of a, a northerly wind, You're not pushing that water into some of the intercoastal waterways and um, the flooding wouldn't be as bad. But if you start getting a stronger easterly flow or maybe east-northeast, you can pile that water up a bit. It's all about the wind direction, right? Yeah. So, okay, so let's do this. So let's look at, based on the data that we're seeing, right, let's look at what the European model is kind of showing and the GFS model is kind of showing in terms of um, winds, Jeremy. So let's let's do this. Uh, Let's pop up. This is the Euro, and this is the 00Z, because uh, the 6Z, the latest model run of the Euro that we have, doesn't go out that far. So let's just roll this through time, okay? And this is, you know, Sunday, 3 a.m. You're you're starting to see, you know, gusty winds around the Yucatan as as there's a broad but non-organized area of low pressure. Then into Monday, Tuesday, right in there, that's where we start to see that center roll off the shoreline there of the Yucatan. And you're starting to see those greens showing up. That's the tropical storm force winds building over the Gulf of Mexico. All right, that's 11:30 Tuesday. Then it gets close to uh, the west coast of Florida. Okay, and and basically what you're looking at is across my coverage area, the greens into the yellow. So 35 to 45 mile per hour. These are gusts. Um, but right there, you know, 9:30 Wednesday morning. 
That could end up being a problem, Jeremy. You've got 45, 50 mile per hour gusts off the shoreline of Tampa Bay um, and Southwest Florida. And given a counterclockwise spin, we would be talking about piling water up in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and it would be like, how much time will it have at a stronger intensity to start piling water up? Um, and the winds you're looking at right there, I believe, are all just tropical storm force Correct. right now. Yep, yep. Um, so below 74 miles per hour is what we're talking about. And those are a lot of like 40s, 50s, uh, yeah. maybe a couple in there starting to get closer to 60 miles per hour. And that's over the open water. So uh, definitely some sort of coastal flood threat. I don't know uh, if we'd see a huge storm surge from this. Um, there's a lot of variables out there. And one is, is this something that could uh, kind of be compact but start to strengthen pretty quickly as right. it moves off to the northeast? Or um, would it just um, kind of be a tropical storm until it makes landfall and then right. scoots in into the southwest Atlantic? Yeah. All right. So there's that. Uh, across central Florida, you can see the bright greens into the yellow. So that's tropical storm force winds. But watch as this progresses, okay, and moves off the shoreline around Jacksonville. You immediately start to get a bit of a stronger scenario and then up by you, Jeremy, you know, as that storm system is kind of rolling off the shoreline, at least according to the European, we're starting to get into hurricane force winds, though off the shoreline. Yeah, and that's uh, those darker colors you're seeing there. And I'm also, uh, Eric and I are both kind of paying attention to questions here. I'm starting to get some coming in for my area. I know you are probably getting some as well. We'll touch mm -hmm. on those. Um, but the winds you're looking at there off the coastline, uh, those would probably be close to hurricane force wind gusts. Again, this is one model. This is the European model, but it does make sense in some of our thinking that this would go from the Eastern Gulf and then into the, uh, off the Southeast coastline. And, uh, at least the methodology that we use, um, we, we look back at some of the previous cycles and yes, this is, uh, in our minds tied to, uh, the system that came in around that Friday, Saturday of Memorial day weekend. And if you remember, we talked about this so much where that system got its strongest was off the southeast coast where a ship out there measured a wind gust of around 70 miles per hour. So if this plays out in that exact same channel, it would make sense that it's getting to its peak intensity once it crosses over Florida and moves over the warm waters uh, off your shoreline, Jeremy. So there it is kind of doing its thing, perhaps becoming a hurricane. And interestingly enough, off the coast of um, well, approaching the you know the coastal waters of North Carolina, the European is is continuing to show a hurricane, though keeping the worst of those conditions off the shoreline, uh, and then from there, um, kind of continuing to work away. But look at I mean, look at that. You're talking a decent little hurricane with winds approaching there. That would be Friday, September first. Those winds are approaching 100 miles an hour off the shoreline of the Outer Banks. Yeah, and I think the last time around, um, the one that we're really kind of like, all right, what did it do this last time that that might mirror the position a little bit this time? I believe the last time um, uh, Memorial Day when the system sort of had a similar look to it, it moved into the Carolinas. I think it went into North Carolina. Yeah. And it also hit that high parked up to the north and that um, kind of squashed it down and it weakened pretty quickly. But it was sort of a, a system that was compact. It was strong. I, uh, I worked that day, that Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. I went out to our coastline. We had tropical storm force winds out here. And Eric and I certainly debated on our um, weekly tropical chat whether that could have been a named tropical system. 
Uh, we showed some things that were like, well, part of it might have been a little bit warm core. The uh, National Hurricane Center said it didn't meet their guidelines to be a named system. But certainly, we did feel tropical storm force winds and had those measured in my viewing area in that part of the cycle. So you know what? Uh, this is something we've been talking about extensively this uh, sort of late August, very early September for the Northeast Gulf and off the Southeast coastline. And it looks like this could be happening. So you you would say then that you're watching this as as closely as we are in Florida because as it gets off your shoreline, you may be talking about coastal impacts up by you. Yeah, and it's all about the track, the intensity. Those are things that we don't have completely pinned down yet. We have a we have a decent idea. Right. Um, so if this would be stronger right at our coastline, obviously impacts would be a little bit higher. If it's farther off the coastline, some areas west of I-95 in my viewing area may see a very little and they'd be like well you know what i wanted rain from this and i barely got a drop of it so these things are tricky they can be beneficial and obviously they can have a a tremendous downside and beneficial i think is an important part because in florida our climate depends on weak at least one weak tropical system impacting us and interestingly enough jeremy the area of florida that is of deepest drought the west coast (laughs) So, yeah, so I know they're probably cheering on some rain and yeah. not much for other impacts. Certainly, and I think that that's all of us. All right, so continuing to track the tropics, let's look at the GFS model data because it is just a little bit different in terms of impact. Remember, for the last couple of days, the GFS showed nothing but like moisture. So there's Friday trying to show some gusty winds, but nothing terribly organized. Uh, Sunday... Monday, starting to pick up some winds. And then by Monday, Tuesday, we're starting to get some stronger winds developing into tropical storm force. Is it organized enough to call it a tropical storm at that point? That'll be questionable. The GFS definitely going on the weaker side of things and then lifting to the north, getting to be, you know, a decent gust machine, but it doesn't look very organized on the GFS. But nevertheless, you know, at least according to this model, you're talking about tropical storm force winds kind of from Naples and Fort Myers up to the Tampa Bay area. And Jeremy, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Hurricane Ian's landfall in southwest Florida. Thankfully, this would not be anywhere near that, but you know that those residents are very trigger shy on any kind of tropical activity. Yeah, and uh, that was one of the questions that popped into my Facebook here. Is uh, there any threat that it could be um, something that strengthens rapidly like Ian? And maybe you could talk more on that. But um, at this point, we're not seeing that. Yeah, you know, the one thing that's kind of interesting, Jeremy, um, is so I was I was at the Kennedy Space Center last night and we'll get back to the GFS in a minute. But but I think there's a really good discussion. I was at the Kennedy Space Center last night uh, covering the launch. Didn't go, but uh, I was hanging out with one of the launch weather officers and we were just weather nerding it up and we were discussing kind of this scenario um, and, and, and a couple of things, you know, just as you and I've talked about so many times, warm water isn't the only way to develop hurricanes. Wind shear isn't the only way to kill hurricanes. You know, dry air isn't the... But when you start seeing dynamics changing, you just don't know, right? And if... And this is what uh, the launch weather officer and I were chatting about. Like, And you know this. If it can close its low off quickly, then it will have already overcome the wind shear and then it's kind of in God's hands. I mean, seriously, right? Like, Like, I'm not trying to get religious, obviously, but like, think about it. If... The wind shear is low enough to let it close a low off and say, all right, it's time to go to work. 
then it's still moving over that 87, 88 degree water temperatures. What say you? Yeah. Um, so you're almost in your own little contained environment yep. if you get that that closed off. So yeah. um, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm watching the some other models that are starting to come in now, some of the earlier 12Z runs. Um, so far, uh, I'm into Sunday here on the NAM, maybe not our favorite mm -hmm. model, but uh, it is one that we can glance at and uh, take a little look at. That's coming in right now. That's out through about 48 hours so far. Uh, no low into the Gulf. Uh, it's still kind of trying to figure things out. So this particular model appears like it would also be holding off until Monday. Yeah. I'm just looking to see if I can pull up the NAM. I don't even know that I have access to the NAM. I do. I do. Yeah. But it's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the GFS here. All right. And let's just go through time. So this would have like a tropical storm or just north of Tampa. And what we would be looking at in my coverage area would be winds gusting 35-ish, 35-ish. So something like that, 35, 40. And then as it works away from Florida, the GFS at least does not, Jeremy, try to develop that into a hurricane at all. It, it kind of just has it as a as a drunken sailor wandering out <laughs> to sea there. Uh, we talk about outlier models sometimes, and I would say right now the GFS is the outlier um, where we're talking about it's, uh, it doesn't really fit what the other models are, are advertising right now with maybe a little stronger system and then turning it north-northeast and then a little closer to the southeast coastline. The GFS definitely has been trending towards those models because 24 hours ago it had absolutely nothing where yeah. you had the European the Canadian models showing a tropical system. So uh, we'll be watching this uh, very closely again coming up here in just over an hour. The GFS model yeah. starts to update. Yeah. And then um, we'll see if we get an invest later today because then we can put all the spaghetti models on it yep. and do stuff like that. But if you have the the ensembles, um, that's uh, sort of a, a look at um, spaghetti models, yeah. at least contained within uh, one particular model. Yes. And while I'm dialing that up, Jeremy, if you want to start answering some questions. Okay. So um, let's see here. I had someone ask me about some inland counties and cities in my area. And yeah. I, what I answered that, I didn't respond on Facebook, but I said, at least for Southeast Georgia, the farther you get away from the coastline, I think impacts would start ramping down pretty quickly. Yeah. This, uh, if it's going to stay just off our southeast coast, this is more of a coastal system or through about I-95, um, which goes uh, several miles inland from our coastline. So if you're kind of, that's our general dividing line. If you're kind of there or east, you'd see a little more impact or, or higher potential for rain. I think the rain totals could cut off very sharply it could be an all or nothing situation yeah i i would 100 agree with that it's and it's you know this is one of those like rain with a name kind of scenarios like this is not at least it's not looking like it's gonna be like a big bad hurricane all right this is the gfs ensembles and you can very clearly see there's a nice cluster of lows off the florida west coast where they're going exactly anywhere from the panhandle to the big bend and then afterward most of the gfs ensembles interestingly enough keep it ashore and have it essentially riding up 95. So that's why the GFS doesn't want to develop it off the shoreline because the GFS doesn't think it's going to be off the east coast of the United States at all. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's a little more land version. If you have um, the European model, that one is pretty much... Um the one that would have the stronger solution. But again, interestingly enough, you you really do kind of have a have a split there. 
So there's all of the ensembles out in the water. And depending on how far west it makes landfall in Florida, that kind of depends on where, if it goes back out over water or not. Because like that shot, I think, says it all, right? You've got half the ensembles are going to go up 95. The other half are going off the east coast. So that's going to play pretty big in your forecast, whether or not it's just a coastal like battering type event or whether it's just a big rain event for your whole DMA. Yeah, and also when you start getting those that say that does go up to the Florida Panhandle and then maybe more central Georgia, then that would open us up to the threat of uh, spin-up tornadoes. Right, absolutely. All right, so some more questions, uh, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Looks like I'll be busy monitoring the scanners for trees, power lines down if we yes. get some rough weather. Miss uh, Miss Ann does an awesome job in our area. She, uh, she has uh, her uh, Facebook page uh, that uh, kind of keeps us up to date on a lot of uh, trees on power lines, uh, kind of what's going on across our entire area. So oh, very cool. Uh, she definitely uh, uh, lends an awesome helping hand. So we love our Miss Ann. And uh, yeah, well, we uh, she's out in, uh, she's a little more inland in our viewing area, yeah. uh, but definitely uh, keeps a, keeps an eye to the sky for us and uh, gives us some updates. Sure. Now, a lot of people um, are asking, like, do they need to be crazy, you know, do they need to go buy water and go crazy and do all of that stuff? Um, I've definitely seen some hype on the, on the social media channels, like, you gotta go buy your water and buy your gas, and I just don't like that. I, I always say, I mean, what we stress to people is you just always be ready during hurricane season, so if you kind of if you're like, oh, I, you know what? I just ate all my hurricane snacks and uh, my water's all gone. Well, I mean, those are things you're going to go through anyways. So you don't have to go go buy the whole store out of everything. But if you do have some water on hand or something, yeah. um, typically uh, in this current day and age, if you do lose power, the companies are uh, pretty great in trying to restore that quickly. So um, a lot of us along the coastal areas have been through storms before. And what we're looking at right now is a system that hasn't even formed yet. Right. So we're kind of just giving you the lay of the land and the timing and um, sort of the best estimate of where this is going right now. But it's it's good. It's hurricane season. Be prepared. We're almost to the uh, climatological peak of it coming yeah. up September the 10th. But right. uh, all the way through that first part of October, it's a busy season. At the end of the day, just be ready. Okay. We, we yeah. are going to have <laughs> threats and this is just, this is just the way that it works when you live down in these areas. So no Nicole, no toilet paper chaos. Connie says just got home from Publix. Pretty normal Friday morning. It should be pretty normal. Like this is not something yeah. that we should be freaking out about. Seriously. Right. I mean, if you want to get excited, just, uh, stay and watch our, our chat here and, and we'll try to get you pumped up just because we're weather enthusiasts, not because we're trying to get anyone worried and we'll just give you the, what we think will most likely scenarios. Yeah. We, the, the goal here is to inform and not hype it up. And, and there's a big difference. There's a big difference between giving you information and hyping. Hyping is being like, this is terrifying. We really need to run for the hills. You need to go buy all the water you can. No, this is not, we're not doing that. And, no. and, and you know, we're going to show you every lick of data we got, every piece of information. And, and, you know, that's why we're here to correct any false information that may be out in the world, hoping to give you a trusted source of weather information. Right. Um, one thing I know that you probably have up and I can give you a second and then we can take a few more questions. Let's look at the season's hotspots that we identified back on March the 1st, because this one is uh, clearly on a lot of models headed towards one of our hotspots and potentially if it does hop over into the 
the uh, Atlantic there and then head up toward the Carolinas probably has a chance of checking a couple boxes here. Yeah. So our landfall hotspots, uh, Florida Panhandle down through around Tampa or just south of there uh, on the east side of Florida and then up into parts of the Carolinas. And remember, that is a higher than average chance of a tropical landfall during hurricane season. Yeah, we put that out on March the first, and and I would also add if you know if we wanted to have that conversation as well. If you look at the and this, I have to say this, Jeremy. Okay, I have to say this. If you look at the dates for the hotspot that we highlighted as the Gulf Coast of Florida part of the pattern, right? Yep. That part of the pattern is absolutely where the models continue to hint at it. And um, Wednesday of next week, what day? Uh, what day is Wednesday of next week? The 30th. There you go. All right. There's your dates. And uh, August the 30th through September 5th is that part of the pattern. So it's And remember, um, first go around there, that was Memorial Day. Yeah. So that was Memorial Day. We know there was a storm system there. It bombed off the east coast of Florida and uh, the Carnival cruise ship did its thing. Uh, remind me, what did we see in July? Was it just kind of like a, a fairly weak low, kind of on a trough? Yeah. Yep. Uh, also, by chance, do you have the map that shows like um, the October, I think, 22nd, 26th, November 1st? It, it shows like four areas of low pressure to give yeah. people kind of yep. an idea of what we look at. Yeah, there we go. So a lot of times with the method we use, people say, well, duh, guess what? It's uh, almost the peak of hurricane season. There's going to be storms in the Gulf or in the Atlantic. Well, our argument is, you know what? We're picking out the specific pieces of the puzzle. We're sort of showing you time frames, locations where these move. And um, the part of the pattern we're in right now is the one we've turned the Carolinas or off the East Coast. And what is about to move between Bermuda and the East Coast of the U.S.? Well, it's that October version of the pattern. And there goes Franklin. And then following that uh, coming up is that northeastern um, Gulf of Mexico low. And um, it takes it uh, very close to the southeast coast. And. These are maps that we made back in March. These are not things we've, we've just updated. Yeah, and, and it's playing out on pattern. Um, I will be interested to see that last piece of the puzzle, which is the Nicole part of the pattern, to see, you know, do we, do we see something there? Um, hopefully not, but, uh, I, you know, that's the next piece there. Right, and um, it's hard to believe the GFS right now longer range because we're not really believing it maybe three or four days right. from now right. necessarily. So it's hard to just say, oh, you know what? I believe our 384 right. because it fits our thinking, but we don't believe it in the short term. But it is trying to run something across the Atlantic. And the one thing that's piqued my interest on some of these super long range models now, <laughs> when we start getting close to that Nicole part of the pattern, it's parking that strong high right above. And then it has some sort of lower tropical system underneath it. Yeah. And that's what we saw um, with Nicole. So once we get whatever happens early to mid next week out of here, then our sites will be more on kind of like week two of yep. September. Yep. And, and, and if you're ever interested in reading um, the hurricane season forecast that we have, Jeremy, it's available on WJCL.com, correct? Yes. And also, I mean, you posted it. We both uh, have it posted at the same time every yep. year on March the 1st. And one thing coming up here, let's talk about storm names. Oh, yes. Well, if this, if, look if this thing in the Gulf of Mexico is named, ironically, enough, and I don't know what it is. So first off, 
you know, it's worth mentioning that the I named storm is the most retired storm name because, you know, that's usually happening around the peak of hurricane season. Um, Obviously, we're hoping that that's not the case here, but the next name on the list is the I named storm. And it is also, uh, make sure everyone looks at the pronunciation of it, because if you go E to the National Hurricane Center page, um, so one of the questions I had on my Facebook page came from a viewer in Vidalia, Georgia. Well, if you look at this next name, you're like, oh, it's just that without the I. No, it's Idalia. Idalia. Yep. Which so. somebody pointed out to me. They're like, oh, so they just took Ida and just added an uh at the end. Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. So I was already, um, since this is something that may be impacting my viewing area, we already were sending notes to anchors, reporters, uh, really anyone. Hey, start um, kind of practi- yeah. practicing this if you're not um, familiar with pronouncing that name. 